You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. The JSC has closed its doors for another day, so it's time for the five o'clock shadow. With me today from Rand Swiss is Viv Govender, and Viv has just uh, pulled his car over to the side of the road because the robots are all out. It's a familiar story that David Shapiro has gone on about for quite a while. David, not with us today, by the way. He's fled to New York where the traffic lights do work. But Viv, on that note, I mean, I've looked at some recent South African economic data, where GDP this week. It was just all plunge or anything, but it's just going nowhere. Confidence figures were down. Uh, PMI is still below 50. I think that was last week. And I think to myself, is there any hope that this might change in 2024? Any hope at all, Viv? What do you think? Uh, unfortunately, uh, no. Uh, I think that we are coming to a point right now. I've seen some recent numbers uh, from South Africa regarding, um, you know, just the amount of private, uh, you know, production coming to the system uh, in terms of electricity. And if even if nothing else changes from the government side, by about 2026, 2027, there'll be so much, uh, you know, new supply coming to the system from, you know, private producers uh, that we will actually have gotten over, uh, you know, load shedding to a large extent. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, and... The, the, the issues, I think, go beyond that, however. Like, uh, Transnet, I don't know what can be done. I mean, obviously, people are privatizing Transnet by using trucks. Uh, but, I mean, you still have to use the ports. And the one that really worries me in South Africa is actually water. Uh, because I was speaking to Simon Brown. I'm not sure you know Simon Brown. I do. And he was saying that, yeah, he was saying that, you know, electricity, you can make an, a plan, you know, generators, uh, solar and whatnot. But you can't make water. You know, you're not going to be able to get water out of thin air. Uh, and if the water system goes down, that is a real danger because, you know, you unless you have a borehole and you're lucky enough to be in a place where you can actually drill something down, uh, you're just out of luck. Um, and so I think that is the next real issue in South Africa is the water situation. And we have started to see that happen in Durban. Uh, you know, they call it water shifting, not water shedding, you know, because maybe that uh, sounds too familiar to load shedding. It's called water shifting, I believe. And that, I think, is the next danger for the country. It's interesting because there was a book many, many years ago that came out that said that it's sort of it put forward the idea that the next war, the next really big war, will not be fought over oil or, or territory. It will be fought over water. And I suppose that when, if you have a look at it, I mean, if you watch as many Planet Earth programs as I do, there's a finite source of fresh water in the world. It's not as if when it rains they're making new water, the clouds are making new water. That's not the case. They're just shifting it from one place to another from one body of water, i.e. the oceans, to, to, to somewhere else. So it is incredibly difficult. And as the population booms and uses more water, then it, it might become a problem, not just a South African problem, Viv. But that's a bit of a gloomy thought, isn't it? Yeah, but I don't think it's a, it's, it's a bigger problem because I mean, a lot of this stuff that about water is about, you know, uh, population growth. And I think uh, it's pretty clear right now with the kind of numbers we've seen coming out of places like China and like even to a certain extent Europe and North America, uh, that the population is not growing, you know, much beyond where we are right now. Uh, and with like, you know, proper usage, we're not going to get to a point where we are going to be, you know, in, in that much danger of like, not having enough water. Yes, places are depleting groundwater in some areas, but I think we we are we are, we are are getting to a reasonable point in terms of infrastructure globally that they can handle that. In South Africa, unfortunately, it's we not like we don't have enough water. I mean, there's there's plans from, to bring water in from the Sutu and that kind of stuff. And, you know, there's obviously issues uh, in some places like Cape Town where it's very difficult there. But the issue right now in South Africa is not a fact that there's a lack of like natural water, there's some kind of drought happening. It's just that these guys can't get the pipes not to leak and you can't, you know, get uh, the the uh, 
the sewage systems to work properly. So you get, you know, the stuff goes into the rivers clean or to the beaches clean. Uh, and I think that is the infrastructure issue we are dealing with in South Africa. It's not the fact that we don't have enough water, which, like I said, in Cape Town, there is that issue to a certain extent. But the main issue in South Africa is just literally not maintaining and, like, you know, upgrading infrastructure. Yes, it is rather gloomy to talk about. Let's talk about other things now and let's go a bit global. Interesting moves on the bond markets. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, probably three, four months maybe four months. Yeah, anyway, the point is that US 10-year bond, as I've said many times, was 5% very briefly. It uh, very briefly got close to 4% yesterday, got below 4.10, I think it was, currently 4.14%. And that's either good or bad news. It either means that interest rates are going to uh, come down throughout 2024, or it means, in combination with that, that there is a recession coming. And we've been calling recessions now, or commentators have been calling recession now, for a couple of years. 2024 looks as though there might be some mild US recession, hence the movement in the bond markets, anticipating maybe more aggressive cuts than have been put forward. What do you think, Viv? I mean, I just looked at that today. And I think the chance of a rate cut in the first quarter, the market's pricing it at about 60%, the chance of at least one cut by um, the middle of next year is at 99 point something percent. The 99.1 or 99.2%. So it's almost a certainty we'll have a rate cut by the middle of next year, according to the market, and a, and a good chance we'll have a rate cut in the first quarter, uh, you know, according to the market as well. Now, look, the market's been very wrong on, on this previously. I mean, you looked at uh, what the prediction markets were saying at the beginning of 2022, uh, you know, there was almost a certainty of there being a rate cut by now, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, so the, things have gotten wrong in the past. But uh, yeah, you are correct. I mean, uh, looking at the, 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 um, the, the uh, you know, the bond market right now. I mean, we're talking about a 0.9% you know, drop in yield for the 10-year uh, from where it was, like you said, like a month or so ago. Mm. And that is a very, very um, you know, sharp fall. And I, I wonder, basically, if uh, that's maybe going to work against us because, you know, Jerome Powell was using the fact that, you know, markets are pricing in like you know, 5% bond yields uh, 10 years out uh, to basically do half his job. Now, if the market's not doing that, he's already started putting price in almost a 1% cut. Um, you know, he's going to maybe have to step in and, and either talk about things or actually do something about this. Yes, it's going to be a very interesting first quarter in the United States of America. And the other thing is, is the currency market. I look at the euro dollar. I don't look at the dollar index so much because the, the euro block is uh, it's, it's heading towards recession, especially if Germany cannot sort out its big budget hole of 60 billion euros, I, I think it is. So Europe is, is not doing particularly well. And so the talk is that the ECB will be the first major central bank to break ranks and actually cut rates. Hence, the euro has weakened against the US dollar. It's gone from 110 plus, not more than two weeks ago, now to below 108. So that's that's not dollar strength, that's, that's euro weakness. And so the cycle will start, kicking off with uh, Christine Lagarde at the ECB. Do you think she'll be right to be the first? Probably not. The ECB has not had a great history about managing the European economy. Um, they've tended to be too slow and basically not do enough in time and then, you know, fluctuate more than the US Fed. The US Fed has been more aggressive and more certain. And I think that's kind of helped them out. Uh, that being said, looking at what is happening right now, I mean, the European economy is under pressure. I mean, especially, like I said, Germany. I looked at some German manufacturing, you know, uh, numbers earlier on and uh, one index I was looking at, at a, like an index of 100 back in 2015, right? The current number is 96. So it's down 4% in the last say, eight years Yeah. Uh, in terms of German manufacturing. Uh, we've seen, you know, I think this is the fifth or sixth straight month of, of, of decline in German manufacturing. 
We're getting into winter. Um, it's going to be an issue with regards to energy yet again. And, you know, people that are talking about the fact that when uh, the Nord Stream pipeline has burst, that it's going to have a real impact in Germany, I think that's proving to be true. Uh, the German economy does not seem to be, you know, doing very well right now. And their manufacturing base, you know, the cheap energy they've gotten out of Russia has disappeared and they're not quite managing to basically get the replacement out there that they need uh, at the moment. You know, they are getting energy in. They're not going to be freeze over winter, it's likely, but it's going to come at a more expensive price and that's obviously going to affect their profitability going forward. At the same time, you know, you know, th- their industry, their car industry, it's kind of falling behind when it comes to like electric vehicles and that kind of stuff. Uh, I see like one of the big incentive plans around electric vehicles is, is ending and that's kind of cutting back on sales. Uh, the innovation in Europe is just kind of fallen apart. I don't know for whatever reason. I read a thing recently that said that um, the number of US companies that have a valuation of at least half a trillion dollars that were created in the last, I think, 20 years was like about a half a dozen or so. In the, U, in the, in the European Union, there was not a single company that had a valuation of about 100 billion. So one-fifth amount, uh, and absolutely no company was able to do that in the same period of time. And there's something about the European system at the moment that seems to be um, really, I don't know, for whatever reason, in the doldrums. And it's not to say that people don't have, you know, uh, great minds or whatever, but you've got half the guys running these new AI companies that are worth, you know, 50, you know, 100 billion or whatever, and they tend to come from Europe, you know? Yes. Um, Jan LeCun from uh, Meta, uh, which we're talking about, uh, a number of, like, you know, uh, Dennis Hasnebus uh, uh, from DeepMind. Uh, all these guys are European, but, you know, for American companies, they're working and uh, making that value there. Okay. You're not being managed well by uh, ECB under the stewardship now of Christine Lagarde. We'll see what happens, but uh, certainly the market. I don't know what the what the rate, uh, the forward rates are putting as a, assigning a percentage to the probability of that. But anyway, that's the talk on certain programs that I listen to. Okay, let's have a look at the spot prices now, Viv. And I have to say that there's not much going on on the JSE. I'll show you. There was a bit of selling came in in the last half hour, actually, going into the beginning of the auction. And I'll come to that in a second. But anyway, let's start with the currencies, where the dollar rand, which was 19 yesterday, is now 18.85. That's a dollar that's fallen 0.7%. The British pound, 23.68. A pound has fallen by 0.6%. And the euro rand is 20.31, also a 0.6% fall for the euro against the rand. The euro dollar, as I said earlier, 107.75. Uh, which has barely changed. On to commodities, gold price still holdings, 2026. It's down $4, but uh, still comfortably above 2000 Platinum is down 16 to 913 and palladium also slightly stronger. $10 up to $982 per ounce. When it comes to the all-important oil price, it's had a torrid couple of days, but it's making a few gains today. We've got Brent crude at 74.69, up just over half a percent. West Texas has just dipped below 70 to 69.87, which is a 0.7% gain. And the all-important treasury markets, capital markets that we've been speaking of, 4.14% for the US 10-year. And the South African 10-year, back below 10%, but only just. It's 9.985 to be precise. S&P 500 futures after a three-day losing streak in America. It's bouncing back. It's 0.4% higher. S&P futures for December trading at 4,574 and Bitcoin taking a breather after an astonishing run of late. 43,600 down half a percent. 
We've got to have a look at some the JSE indices now, which have just closed. I hope my screen is caught up with the auction, delayed as it is. I've got the resources index down half a percent, industrials down 0.4, financials the worst off by some distance, 1.6% weaker. The all share 74,824. Uh, so it's busted through that 75,000 level, down three quarters. And also down three quarters is the top 40 index. And also, yeah, down three quarters, 68,751. As for individual stocks, yeah, what have we got here? On the upside, Bytes up 4.2%. Then we've got uh, two diggers, South 32 up 3.8%. Anglo Platt up three and two thirds. Property company redefine up 3% and MTN also 3% to the good. On the downside, is this an ex-dividend story, Viv? I don't know. British American Tobacco, eight and three quarters percent weaker. Doesn't seem right. But anyway, maybe you could confirm or deny the ex-div story or not. Coronation, down five and a half percent. Sassel down nearly 4%. 91 PLC down nearly 4% and Investec PLC down 3.1%. There's some, there's definitely some ex-divs yeah. in those fallers, Viv. I want to talk about your theme of the year. I was going to ask you what your highs and lows were, but I'm just going to go straight for the high. And that is that even though ChatGPT was only launched just over a year ago, AI has exploded. And that has been your, that has really caught your attention. You'll tell us how it has. You're actually doing something about it. But I also want to tell people about um, what you sent me the other day. And I was too terrified to open it. I'm going to open it now and read it. It says here, you sent this to me on X. It says here, Gemini is multimodal and can recognize images and speak in real time. With a score of 90%, Gemini Ultra is the first AI model to outperform human experts on the MMLU benchmark. I don't know what that is. He says the demo, this chap says the demo is incredible. Okay, over to you, Viv. What is Gemini and why did it excite you enough to send me a message? Well, uh, if you look at uh, basically with regards to uh, uh, chat GPT, GPT-4, most people have used it and you know how it works. You type in something and now with the latest app out there, you can talk into it. Like, you know, uh, there's an app on the the, the Play Store and so on. You just download it and you can literally just talk to it like a person. You know what I mean? Uh, What Gemini does is it gives it not just ears, but eyes as well. So you can watch video. So there's the, the demo that I sent you has a video of a man drawing a picture. He starts off drawing and asking, what is this thing? He says, it's a wavy line. And he says, oh, it's a duck. And then the guy colors the duck blue. He says, it's a blue duck. But blue ducks are red. There's very few blue ducks in the world. Most ducks are white and they're brown. And then he, he asks questions about ducks. And it, it makes it, it does some things like, for instance, shows it a couple of balls of yarn. and says, I want to make something out of this. What can I make? And then it basically gives them photorealistic images of like, you know, uh, bunnies made of yarn and that kind of stuff. It, 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 uh, it shows it a couple of like items. It says, make a game out of this item. And it gives you a game idea. It puts the duck in the middle of, uh, you know, a map and it says, what's happening here? This duck's in the middle of the ocean. Uh, it's going to be very difficult for the duck to survive. Um, it, 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 it literally gives it eyes now. It, like, like, and this is all done in video. This, is, this guy basically has his, the, the thing focused on a, on, a, on a blank piece of paper. So maybe it does help in terms of contrast and ability to recognize objects because there's no, like, confusing objects behind it. Just a blank piece of paper. But you can recognize an orange, you can recognize fruit, you can recognize paintings, you can recognize maps, uh, objects. Uh, you could ask it, oh, this duck here, like a picture of a duck, you know, or, 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 a toy duck. Yeah. Actually, does it float? And it says, it looks like it's plastic or rubber, so it possibly could float. 
it's a nice little toy and it sounds like a lot of fun but obviously yeah, there's a more serious side to it which you've identified it's all very well having a duck uh, mucking about on the, in the atlantic and it's it's orange or, or something but there must be a very serious side to it otherwise you wouldn't have highlighted it yeah, look, I mean, in the subsequent videos, it was part of a thread. Uh, one of the things, okay, they, 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 uh, they talk about its scientific application. So they mention the fact, like, you know, in scientific papers, they'll give you, like, data for a certain period of a certain kind of range of stuff, right? Yeah. But if you want to look for a longer range, you might have looked at more than one paper to get, like, part from here, like, from 94 to 95, from here, 96 to 97, from somewhere else, you know what I mean? And correlate it yourself. They give an example where they had this thing read, they said over lunch break or lunchtime, 200,000 papers draw the data out and graph from that. Now, I can imagine the impact that has on research yeah. and, and science where you don't have to basically look at individual papers to get the results and you can have it 200,000 papers, an entire field, and have the latest like, you know, results from that thing and ask you questions about that. Um, draw graphs, draw tables based on it, make inf inferences. That's just one thing. The other thing, it seems to be that this thing does maths way better than GPT-4. Uh, and it does indicate that, uh, you know, what the, like with AI, every so, every new model comes out, there's always, oh, it can do everything in terms of faces, but it can't do pictures. Uh, fingers properly, hands, it does it badly. Next model comes out, hands are soft. Uh, with GPT-4, a big complaint was it doesn't do mathematics properly. It can't really add one and two together. You know what I mean? It gives you the right answer sometimes, but it doesn't do the right reasoning. This thing appears to do the right reasoning. Huh. You know what I mean? Uh, it appears to actually be able to answer scientific questions in a in a, in a you know reasoned way. So that's obviously a, a huge uh, development there. And but the actually thing that the multimodality um, is very interesting because it is it is very impressive watching this thing just recognize things, especially if you've just been using GPT four and just basically been typing you know questions in and it's like it's, it's cool to type questions and get you know like words back. But showing it video and having it display back images and sound and you know. Uh, uh, like effectively words uh, is very interesting. It, it shows that the capability of each new step is important. And here's the weirdest part about it. Okay. This thing just barely beats uh, GPT-4 on these benchmarks. Like the MMLU thing you talk about is multitask language understanding. We covered many different like you know levels of understanding here. There's about 60 different things it covers in terms of understanding. It beats GPT-4, but it doesn't beat GPT-4 by like double it. It beats it by about a little bit. And then you know that GPT-5 is coming out, and everybody that's looking at GPT-5 says this is a huge step beyond GPT-4. So unless the benchmarks are really misinterpreting how much of an advanced Gemini is, it's, I know for a fact when GPT-5 comes out, it's going to blow this out of the water. Okay. Yeah. We'll look forward to that. Yeah. Well, you will. So I'll, I'll stick my head yeah. in the sand as always. But if, if you're talking about this now, after, as I said, a year after chat GPT, GPT first launched, what are you going to be talking about if we are still talking in a year's time? What on earth will you be talking about? It'll be chat, it'll be GPT ten or something, and it will it will have blown your mind, and you, you, your your world will be completely different. And on that note, Viv, you've uh, apart from the intellectual fascination of AI from your point of view, you've made it an investment, a part of your investment world as well. Please tell us more. Okay, thanks, thanks for that. Uh, yeah, look, I mean. Um, it's been nine months, uh, March till now, that we've had uh, GPT-4 out. Uh, we'll have GPT-5 by probably end of next year, second half of next year. Uh, understand also that these are all the models that have been built on old technology, old algorithms, old chipsets, and the old kind of money, by which I mean like a fraction of what the new investments are looking like. Uh, we are looking at uh, GPT-5 being tested, uh, being built on about $3 billion or so. 
maybe there's also new uh, algorithms coming to play, something called QSTAR from them, which is apparently very uh, cool. That allows them to do mathematics, you know, up to a grade school level. Um, and so there's new t- algorithms. There'll be new chips coming in by the middle of next year that are going to be 10 times better than the current set of chips. And the amount of money being spent, I mean, we're talking about probably 20 times as much money on GPT-5 as was spent on GPT-4. At the same time, places like Microsoft are putting something like $50 billion, $50 billion into uh, AI data centers. Uh, and to give you an idea of the scale of this thing here, uh, this is more, they're looking at it the next year or so to spend that $50 billion. This is more money than was spent to per year to get to the moon for the US. This is more money than was spent on any single infrastructure project by any entity, company or country in the world in one year. And Microsoft is doing it himself. Uh, and we're going to have the same things out of Google, uh, Alphabets, whatever. Meta is really refocusing on this. That's very clear on that. Apple is doing things secretly, but they, they're spending tens of billions of dollars on this stuff. Amazon is also a bit more secretive and they're spending also, uh, they also have something called Q for some reason because there's Q stuff from uh, OpenAI and a Q from, Alpha, from Amazon, but also coming out with something very new. And I honestly do expect, I mean, in terms of just pure monetary, you know, input into this, investments into this, over the next year or two, we are going to spend more on AI research than humans have spent on any single scientific endeavor in history, including going to space. You know what I mean? Including the Apollo program, including anything like the the the, the, the dwarf, for instance, the Manhattan Project. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, this is going to be huge. And in terms of like what I've done on it, I've, I've focused on companies that I think are going to be benefiting from it uh, at the moment. I build an AI portfolio that is running and it's nicely profitable at the moment. Uh, you know, it's not that hard to be profitable investing in these companies right now because they've done spectacularly in the last year. And, you know, it's focusing on this sector because I do think that in a disruptive thing like this year, this is like mobile phones. It won't just be a case of, oh, if you're Sony, you don't get mobile phones, you're missing out on the opportunity. It's also your Sony, you don't get mobile phones, your camera business is going to suffer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Your, your, your music player business is going to suffer because mobile phones are not just going to be the opportunity that you miss. They're going to come back and they're going to eat your lunch in other areas. And if you're not having AI in your portfolio, not only are you missing the possibility of AI making you money, it's also going to miss the possibility that AI is going to come back and take some of the other money that you have. Um, and I do think that's a, a real uh, concern. I mean, people are talking about AGI, which is artificial general intelligence, which is the next level of AI, um, within three to f- three years, the pessimistic people are saying five years. So the optimistic guys are saying two to three years. The pessimistic people are saying five years. Um, this is okay. So I mean, the, the point stuff. is, the point is, uh, you're so enthusiastic about it, which 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 I love. But yeah. the point is, your fund <laughs> is nine months old. Is it going to become? Is it going to be in the public domain? In other words, will you be sending out brochures to institutional investors and say, "Have a look at this. What do you think?" Or is it just? Are you just testing the waters at the moment? Well, I'm taking money in to the fund, but I'm not yet, yet publishing the results uh, out to the public. I mean, obviously, clients are coming in and they're putting money into it. But, you know, institutional investors are not looking at your fund until you have a couple of years of a track record behind you because they, it's other people's money. And so they generally don't want to put money into something that hasn't have a track record behind it, you know, generally. Uh, so, yeah, but I have taken money in and we, uh, you know, it's mostly private client money, uh, individuals who want to have a, like a bit of a taste into AI. Uh, and like I said, it's, it's been about nine months, actually less than nine months now. It's been about, say, six months since we started running it. Uh, we're profitable. Uh, we've done well. You know, we're beating our benchmarks quite nicely. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be until next year that 
the real economic impact is being felt. Right now, it's all hype. Mm. Next year, you're going to start to see some real economic impact coming through. And I think in the years after that, it's just going to be a bigger and bigger share of our economy. Very good. And if you want to find out more, I'm sure if you go to the RAND Swiss website, uh, you, you'll be able to email them uh, for the attention of Viv Govender, and he'll tell you more about how to invest and how it's going as well. Viv, thank you very much for all your contributions this year. They've been invaluable, and I hope you have a really good break, and uh, we'll reconvene with David Shapiro next year. That's Viv Govender from Rand Swiss, and that was The Five O'Clock Shadow. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors, and do not reflect the policy, position, or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.